Off the Ball on News Talk. Thanks to Air. Catch all the sports you love free on the Air Sport Pack with Air Broadband. Why do they not care about the football pitch? Somebody tell me. I'm so angry about the condition of the pitch. So angry. Because we want to play, we want to entertain. The Galway supporters were deprived of, of in better football. I'm not saying it stopped us, well, it did stop us from winning. Yes, I, I will say that. It stopped us from winning the game. This is News Talk's SSE Airtricity League podcast, and that is Derry manager Kenny Shields, who wasn't happy after their scoreless draw against Galway United at Aim in DC Park on Monday night. He talked there about the pitch, but there is a reason why the pitch may not necessarily be in the best order, and we're going to hear from Galway manager Shane Keegan, who he gave the right of reply to Kenny Shields. Uh, Kenny, by the way, had a five-minute rant about it, and every second of it is worth listening to. We will play it for you in full very shortly indeed, as well as Shane Keegan's response. We'll also hear from Galway's Alan Keane, a Galway man, I should say, rather than Galway's, because I guess he's more Sligo Rovers' Alan Keane. He's best in Sligo, yeah. yeah. Uh, so he would be best known for his time with Sligo. That's correct. Exactly. Did great stuff with Dundalk last season. Also was with Crusaders for a time. He has announced his retirement Again, uh, we'll talk to him about that very shortly indeed, but uh, certainly he has a, a lot of interesting stories to tell about his own career and the managers that he's worked with and the clubs he has been at and, of course, his undercover work as a member of Engadish Yeah, That's right. Now, Dan, isn't it typical that when you record a podcast, something happens about an hour after the podcast's publishing. Yeah, so last week was an unusual week. Uh, our episode went out Wednesday instead of the usual Tuesday. So publishers twiddle their thumbs, mind their own business. And then one of the biggest stories in the League of Ireland in living memory bricks. Yes. Those of you who listen to this are obviously League of Ireland people. You're a cult following, which means there isn't a whole pile of you, but you know what you're talking about. <laughs> Willow Callahan has been following the Athlone Town story for Midlands 103, of which, or where which I should say, he is the sports editor. He is also of Off the Ball. Will, we're expecting a statement today, this evening, possibly tomorrow morning. Um, that mightn't change a whole pile of what's actually happening, but maybe you might bring us up to speed with what's happened so far and where this might go. Yeah, it all depends how quickly you can actually manage to publish this to iTunes, I suppose. But currently, at the moment, the situation is that the Athlone Town supporters group, who last summer tried in vain to take over the running of the club, have offered to do so again. Uh, They've called on the current club executive to step aside, uh, given everything that's happened over the last two weeks, which has been quite difficult to stay abreast of given so much has happened. Yeah. Uh, but currently, as we speak at the moment, the FEI are concluding their questioning, which took place at the Radisson Blue Hotel in the middle of Athlone, uh, mostly taking place on Monday, uh, when they spoke, first of all, to the club chairman, John Hayden, in the morning. Uh, they spoke to some other club officials, and then the players were brought in after lunch. Some of the players were afforded the opportunity to have a translator, uh, because many of the professional players, the seven who are fully on uh, the books as pros, are all foreign players and probably needed help with interpretation. Uh, none of them had spoken except for Igor Zlobuts, uh, the goalkeeper who's very much at the centre of this investigation, who gave quite an interesting interview to the Sunday World at the weekend uh, yeah. where he said, uh, this isn't due to any kind of match fixing, this is due to my own incompetence for anyone who's seen the goals who've gone in. He said, if I was a good goalkeeper, I'd be playing for Real Madrid. In well, the last few weeks, I'm coming to realise I'm not a very good goalkeeper. So that's probably going to be pretty central to his defence when he's being questioned. There is a feeling out there that the fans will keep trying to take over the club. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I mean, I, I know that's a hard one to answer because we're, we're very much playing a guessing game as yeah. we speak. Even after the statement comes out, that will resolve nothing. The fans will still want the club. If the owner is determined to stay, he'll still be determined to stay. It might be up to the FAI. It is, and like obviously that's a very... Or the guards, actually. Yeah, it's a very wide question that you've asked, and the feeling I get from the statement that Atlone Town put out on Sunday in their open letter on their Facebook page, Atlone Town AFC, uh, was that if the Sorry, club... This, is this the fans... Facebook no, page? AFC is the club's official one. Okay, so it is, is a bit official like the statement. Okay. Judean, Judean people's yeah, front yeah. and the people's front of Judea here. Uh, but previously, the social media used by the club is now... I believe still admined by the former PRO, uh, but certainly by disgruntled supporters who are running the old Athlone Town okay. FC page, including their Facebook and their website. Uh, so they don't currently have a whole lot of control. So they've set up new accounts for this year. On the new account, an open letter went up, I think it's probably fair to call in a statement on Sunday evening around about six o'clock. And in that, uh, they effectively said that the FBI rubber stamped every moment when it came to their investment. The investors have been fairly key 
to this story as well. And as we've been speaking about before, it seems a man called Eric Mao or Mao Zhaodong is one of the guys who's okay. involved in the consortium, a man from Hong Kong, uh, but believed that some of the investors are also from Portugal. And in recent days, it seems someone from Italy may have been involved in uh, effectively a consortium that was headed up by Mark Formo, who's the current first team director. They went to speak to both Bohemians and Cove. So it goes a lot deeper than just that lone town. These guys seem to have been fishing for a club to bring the players into for quite some time in Ireland. Eventually, it was at Lone Town who decided to accept the agreement. That's where the seven foreign professional players have found their way into the club. And, yeah, I guess Mark Formo was spoken to yesterday as well, which I thought was, was quite interesting that he was one of the first people the FBI wanted to speak to, Oshin. You've mentioned their will about Bohemians and Cove. Have any of the have either of those clubs come out and said why they didn't go with the investment? Well, Cove kind of came out effectively last week, and it was interesting that they they first brought this up on Friday, literally as the game was about to take place between Cove Ramblers and at Lone Town, just by a bizarre coincidence. And I just you got that strong impression from their licensing officer that they weren't interested in the idea, where it seemed the investment was primarily about farming players into the club as opposed to maybe investing into the long-term yep. future of the club. And I know a lot of people have said to me, well, if Atlone Town allowed these investors to come in, why isn't there a fit and person checks and so on along the way? From my understanding, the consortium don't own the club. The club continues to be fan-owned. It's owned by the members who signed their a subscription up for each season to be a member of the club. It's just that this was an investment that came in. The big questions that are going to come out, and I'm sure this will come out in the wash about the investigation, who approved it? How aware were the FAI yeah. along the way of what was going on? How did they rubber stamp it? Because at Lone Town seemed to be implying that they did at every step of the way. And then, you know, the club haven't held an AGM this season. Yeah. Many of their supporters have been calling for that AGM to take place. It should probably be an EGM now at this stage. Yeah, we need to clarify, do the investors run the club while those fans own the club and if so if those fans have a recourse to actually take it over that's the yeah. next thing no matter what happens no matter what the decision is and my feeling would be Ocean, in terms of who is running the club the three Portuguese coaches who came in initially Ferreira Cravo and Monsanto Monsanto who was manager for eight games mm. and now Cravo who's in charge and also given what he said after the Cove game at the weekend where he said this was a good result not just for the players not just for the president who I assume he means John Hayden the chairman of the club mm-hmm. he also said it's a good result for the investors so you get okay. the impression that he's very aware of who the investors are and they're the people that he's working for like given you know, what happened with Colin Fortune I highly doubt that the board previously would have made a decision to remove Colin Fortune Okay, Will O'Callaghan of Midlands 103 and of course Off the Ball, thank you very much for joining us on News Talks SSE Electricity Lee Podcast. You just know for a fact that now that Will has come in and recorded with us, something will happen that will completely outdate everything that has just been talked about, but maybe not. What Will has said is now totally redundant. Exactly. Thanks for nothing, Will. <laughs> Will O'Callaghan there. Right, we promised you Kenny Shields gold and here it is. He was speaking to Drive 105 and Galway Bay FM following their scoreless draw against Galway United. The Derry Keeper possibly should have been sent off. We'll talk to Shane Keegan about that as well as his response to what Kenny has said about the pitch. Uh, but look, have a listen to Kenny Shields. Some of it is Kenny doing what Kenny Shields does, kind of rattling the sabre. Some of it maybe he genuinely means and some of it is just damn all, good entertaining audio. All of it audio. is absolute gold. Exactly. It's five minutes long. Normally we wouldn't play a clip that long but you'll you'll know why when you hear it. Here is Kenny Shields. We've been talking about it for quite a while now and... Uh, you know, most of the games that we are playing in now, when we travel, the team makes the pitch. They try to equalise. Because of the way we play, uh, I thought that was an absolute disgrace, uh, the pitch. I said it before the game. I says, what is important and what we have to understand, football is an entertainment game. And we resorted to playing like them when we started to kick it long in the second half because the pitch was too bumpy. We couldn't play. And it's a deterrent from playing football the way the pitch was. Honestly, it just equalised everything. In a game when we they get their first shot in 75 minutes at goal and then they get two more quite quickly. But the pitch was horrible. Horrible. And what we have here is a beautiful building, beautiful complex, great infrastructure, lovely dressing rooms, lovely stand, absolutely brilliant. But the League of Ireland has to get their act together and get teams to... The most important thing is not the beautiful stand. I'd rather play in a parks pitch as long as it's good. 
and that, that was outrageous. And it was the same two weeks ago when we came here. It was the same when we went to Sligo. The pitch wasn't watered. It wasn't, ten, it wasn't treated properly for the product of football. And we can't produce quality on a pitch like that. And it just equalises everything, and it's not the same for both teams. And I don't know if it's by accident or design, but it certainly looked as if it was designed to stop us playing. Is there anything then you can do as a team to try to readapt to? We're, we're not. Like we're not Barcelona. We're not Barcelona. The way we play the game is to try and play with uh, ball retention, to try to play with uh, intelligence and creativity. But if you're having to take extra touches to control the ball, it just equalises everything. The other team, especially a big physical team like that, can get in and battery about. If you look at a couple of our players, you'll see the condition they're in now, Ben Doherty and Aaron McGinniff. How to take them off? How to take footballers off the pitch because of the pitch? How important was your goalkeeper tonight, particularly in the second half? He made three decent saves. I expect Jared to make those saves. But, you know, we were in total control up until that period of the game. But we need... Football teams need a pitch to play on. And uh, again, I'll stress it, uh, I don't know if it was accident or design, but that's twice we've come down here and the pitch has been awful, absolutely awful. And look at the place, it's beautiful. It's a fantastic venue. But, you know, they bring a delegate along and, and if you step one foot outside the dugout, uh, they're down on you like a ton of bricks. But they don't care about the football pitch. Why do they not care about the football pitch? Somebody tell me. I'm so angry about the condition of the pitch. So angry. Because we want to play. We want to entertain. The Galway supporters were deprived of, of, of better football. I'm not saying it stopped us. Well, it did stop us from winning. Yes, I, I will say that. It stopped us from winning the game. Just going back to your goalkeeper, do you feel he was fortunate to stay on the pitch following that? Not at all. Not at all. Hold on a minute. Just stop there a second. Ben! Ben! Come here, Ben. Ben, come here. Come on, bring your toe with you. Arm with the left, come here. Fortunate to stay in the pitch. Take a look at that. Fortunate to stay in the pitch. Oh, come on, lads. Hey, Arm, Arm with the left, got an elbow in the head. As, as a standalone incident, I mean, I mean, we spoke to Jared. He said himself, yeah, if it, if it happened at the other end, you know, he yeah, we'd be angry. Yeah, I'm sorry for being angry here but it's you wouldn't believe that you've seen it yourselves out in the pitch and lucky to stay in the pitch I would say there was two players at least of their team that was lucky to stay in the pitch and, and our two young lads are left with battered and bruised and which is the worst you know which is the worst I'm going to be battered and bruised now too but going back to the pitch which is the most important part of football is, is where you perform if you're on a stage, it has to be right. Uh, if, you're, if you're a musician and, and the sound is all wrong, it's, it's not good. It should be a decent pitch. It has to be a good football pitch to play football. Do you not agree? It has to be. So why, as fate would have it, or is it just pure chance that it was all ripped up and bumpy? <laughs> Accident or design, you answer that question. Derry City manager Kenny Shields speaking to Galway Bay FM and Drive 105 following their scoreless draw in Eamon DC Park. He wasn't too happy with the pitch. Shane Keegan, uh, manager of Galway United, uh, joins us on News Talks SSE Electricity League podcast. Shane, which was it, accident or design? I look at it. The pitch wasn't right. Fair enough. The pitch, the pitch wasn't in great condition, so it wasn't. I don't think it's quite as bad as, as Kenny was making out. But no, it wasn't in great condition. Um, you know, we weren't happy with it as 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 management team or as, as playing staff either. But uh, as most people probably know, we don't own Amy DC Park. Um, it's the other FA that own it, and obviously they've got a very busy schedule, and there's quite a lot of games that get played on it. So there were two games played on it the day before. Um, two games uh, on the on the Sunday. Sorry, um, the Galway under twelve and the Galway women both said. Um, obviously, the weather has been really, really, really hot. Um, so, it, you know, it all kind of fed towards it. To be, to be honest with you, it's, it's strange the circumstances that it's all come around in because um, one of our players, Stevie Follin, fired me a text on Monday morning and said, uh, 
Shane any chance of getting the pitch watered before the game tonight? So I replied to him and said, look, I'll, I'll do my best. Um, I get the groundsman, Noel, Noel won't maybe say, and I'm sure I get the groundsman, Noel, a, a text to see what the, the plan was for it. And Noel said he'd been he'd been watering it all weekend and was going to continue to water it all day. So I actually took a screenshot of Noel's text and threw it back into the players' WhatsApp group to, uh, to so that they could see that everything was being done for the pitch. Um, so strangely, it, it, it's come around. Noel got in the best condition he possibly could. But given the way that the, the the weather had been and with the two games on it, obviously it was never going to be in great shape. So I have no I have no major complaints with, with Kenny saying it's not in great shape. Um, what I would say is Kenny is a fantastic manager. He knows all the ins and outs of management. He's done a brilliant job with Derry so far. He's a guy, as far as I know, who has a degree in psychology and he's using one of the oldest managerial tricks in the book, which is there's a talking point that he doesn't want to talk about and therefore he's he's using... <laughs> A different talking point to, to steer the conversation in the other in a different direction. Um, Jared Doherty was the most blatant red card I've probably ever been involved in. Um, after three minutes in the game, I just I still can't wrap my head around it. Um, the referee somehow hasn't given it. And can you explain what managed. happened there? Because most people won't have seen the incident. I'm aware there was a clip on on Twitter, but just for the people who didn't see it, can you tell us what happened? Yeah, we've we've played a ball over the top. The Parry Cunningham's done really really well to get onto. Um, just outside the 18-yard box, and Podge goes to um, finish it, tur- turns and kind of uh, goes to clip it into the back of the net, and uh, Jerry makes a great save. Now, he just happens to be two yards outside of the box while making the great save. Um, I, I don't... I have no understanding of how it can possibly, possibly have been deemed to be anything other than a straight red. Um, it tends to happen in these situations, then Jared Hardy... It tends to happen with Jared Hardy and me, actually, to be honest with you. Jared Hardy seems to be outstanding every time I come up against him. He was brilliant. He made a couple of great saves. I think Kenny's admitted as much in the, in the second half. Yeah. Um, so he did. But, yeah, look, that, that, that was the talking point. If I was in his shoes, I wouldn't want to be talking about that as the talking point either. So I'd, I'd, I'd find something else to chat about as well, you know. Now, in that segment of audio, which, look, I, I think you're a marketing man, so you know it's box office. And you know, <laughs> when I heard that audio... I was jumping up and down with my arms in the air thinking this is what people yeah. love. They love this. This is entertaining. From your point of view as a football manager, I know you're entertained by it, but also in there, you heard him call two of his players over and point to bruises, I think it was. And his um, his accusation basically was is that they were roughhoused. What do you have to say about that as the Galway manager? Again, you're talking to an audience, most of whom have not seen this match. Yeah, no, I, I don't. I don't think anybody who did see the match would would have described that as an overly physical match in any way, shape, or form. To be honest with you, from either side, um, to be honest with you, I think they they absolutely overran us in the first half. They were at their excellence. They're a really, really good side. They build with their two centre halves and their two holding midfielders, um, and it's just so so hard to close them down. And we were playing with a straightforward four four two and just wasn't working. They were just getting out far too easily. McNiff and Monaghan, they were playing absolutely fantastic football, and they were well able to play football in the first half. Um, regardless of how bad he came the pitch was because they were opening it up I don't know how we could say that the pitch was that bad if they were able to, to, to destroy us in the way that they were and um, we changed the shape at half time um, we got a couple of players higher up the field and we pretty much went about man marking McAniff and, and, and Monaghan to be honest with you and it gave us a real real foothold in the game and it forced Jarvis to go long so that to my mind that's what forced Jarvis to go long not pitch why did he why did he go along in the second half and not the first half did the pitch change at half time I'm not really I don't really get where he can be coming from on, on that one really you know Shane just listening there to uh, to Kenny he he was he was clearly very angry about what happened uh, at the game but he also mentioned the pitch two weeks ago has there been issues with the DC Park pitch in recent weeks I know you said it's coming to the end of it'd be coming to the end of the local football season and the ground is owned by the Galway FA so would there have been a lot more games than there would be usually in DC Park in recent weeks I don't would yeah. there'd be a good bit going on on it at the moment and then combine that with the weather I mean I don't know if you're getting as much sun over that side as we are over here but I mean it's absolutely scorching over here um, and to be honest the, the central areas of the pitch um, were very, very good, but the, 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 the part of the pitch underneath the sand side where the sun can't get on it was really, really bare. Now, we've got an, a fantastic groundsman in Noel. Um, I think the pitch won, won, won League of Ireland Pitch of the Year just a couple of years ago, so it shows the pedigree of, of that, that Noel, the, 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 the condition Noel is able to get, in, get the pitch into when he has the condition to get it to its best. But a combination of the weather and games just meant that that was the absolute best that the pitch could be got into. I mean, 
I really, really think that we're a football inside. I think we play some fantastic football. So how it would be any more of a hindrance to them than it would be to us, um, I'm not 100% sure. But look, I, again, to be honest with you, I, I know Kenny reasonably well. He's a, he's a fellow you know, I'm fairly well with. And I, I actually don't think he genuinely means an awful lot of what he said. I think it's a smoke screen for, for steering the conversation the way that he wants it to go. And again, I'll repeat, I'd do the exact same if I was in his shoes, you know. Shane, we spoke a couple of weeks ago after the defeat at Bray. You lost 1-0 on the night. You were rather unfortunate and you said after the game you just have to keep working hard. You just have to keep trying things and you have to maybe fake confidence even if you don't feel confident. Has that all been part of the turnaround in the last couple of weeks and the good run that you've gone on? Absolutely. We, do you, I don't know if you know, Shane, that, that's the only game we've lost in our last 11 competitive games. So you're blaming um, me? <laughs> <laughs> definitely blaming you. Definitely blaming you. Um, oh, look, we've, we've to, to go one defeat. Now, look, you can't get away from the fact we're drawing too many of them, but it shows how hard we are to beat. Um, and after that second half performance last night, quite honestly, <laughs> I could be setting myself up for a fall and I could be setting us up for a fall here, but, you know, the overriding feeling in the dressing room after the game was, you know, licking our lips at the thought of this on Friday night. You know, Cork have been just outstanding this year, and uh, we we managed to grab a lot of headlines by Dun- by beating Dundalk. And equally, we'd grab you know just as many if we were able to become the first team to to, to take points off of Cork. Um, there's only been one team in the last eleven has managed to find a way to beat us. Um, so we're, you know, we, after last night, we 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 believe that uh, that we can cause them plenty of problems too. I know John was there with with Lisa, so they'll have done their homework on us last night, but um. It'll be an interesting one. Look, they're a class They might blow us out of the water, possibly, but you know, we'll we'll, we'll give it a right good crack. Listen to this man and his managerial playbook. <laughs> Asher, look, we're not the favourites, but uh, we'll give it a crack. <laughs> Just before we let you go, what has been the difference in the last couple of weeks? I mean, obviously, Derek Rogers was on with us last week. He said that tactically, you've, you've changed things around a little bit at times when you've needed to. You've gone direct. But aside from that, is it just that guys have gelled together? The fitness is is coming on. What is it? See, this is the guy thing, to be honest with you, is I don't think anything has changed massively in terms of ourselves. I think just that little bit of luck has started to go for us that didn't. Like, I mean, we, we beat Sligo, right, fair enough, after penalties, but we beat Sligo and Dundalk in the one weekend there last weekend. We've definitely had at least four or five league performances this year that were better than either of those two performances. Um, but just things didn't go our way on those occasions. In both of those games, we played well, we weren't outstanding, but we got the rub of the green in both of those games. So I, I think the standard of what of our performances has been, you know, pretty level and 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 reasonably high right throughout. Um, it's just as I say, things were running against us. They seem to be running for us a little bit more at the moment, and and hopefully we can build on that and, and get a bit. Of, you know, that the luck might continue Friday night because <laughs> to stop Mr. Maguire and Cohen, we'll need a bit of luck in our side Friday night. <laughs> Shane, finally, just look, uh, looking at the table, uh, you're on ten points level with uh, St. Pat's. Uh, you're in eleventh, but you're only two. Uh, you're only two wins off Limerick in fifth. Like this is still a very open table. Basically, from probably done uh, from Derry down, uh, the top three are probably get uh, run away with it. But everyone else could finish anywhere in the league. It is that tight. It is. It is really, really tight. Now, I suppose if I was honest, I, I think I think the six and six that you're seeing at the moment will be the will be the way that will finish. I think. I think. Um, you know, I think Rovers, you know, Rovers, Limerick, Derry, I think they'll they'll go with the other three all right. Um and I think it'll be the other six that that'll that it'll be the six in the bottom half that'll that'll probably stay in the bottom half unless unless one of us puts a really, really good run together. But it's gonna make for a really interesting season. And as you say, you know, we're in a position where we've only won one game all season, right? We've only lost one of the last eleven, but we're you know, back to back wins and all of a sudden you're mid table and there's a whole different a whole different look on things. So um, there's nobody hitting any panic buttons or anything over here. I think I think there's plenty of time, and I think we're we've absolutely got the ability within the squad to get things right. You know, Galway United manager Shane Keegan. Thanks for joining us on News Talks SSE Electricity League podcast. Best of luck against uh, Cork City this Friday night at Eamon DC Park. Thanks very much, lads. And I felt it was important that we gave Shane Keegan the right of apply, even though you can tell from what Shane is saying there, and it's very obvious anyway that Kenny's just kind of mixing things up a bit. There's yeah. a bit of distraction going on there. There is a bit of truth in what he's saying. I mean, Shane has set himself the pitches in great order, but the reasons are pretty genuine. But ultimately, it's just really entertaining from Kenny it's, Shields. As, as I said a few minutes ago, it was five minutes of absolute gold. And I know we spoke about Galway last week and we hadn't, had, we hadn't planned to have Shane on so soon. But when it's a Tuesday morning and you're given some lemons, you make lemonade. Well, let's move to Dundalk. In truth, I had planned to have this 
higher up the podcast yes. but then Kenny Shields had to drop his audio gold on top of us uh, also we had to talk about the Athlone situation but Dundalk really underperforming last week against Shamrock Rovers you were at the game was uh, in the end it seemed to be a very convincing win for Shamrock Rovers yeah 2-1 they won Ronan Finn wouldn't you know it got one of the goals mm-hmm. formerly of Dundalk obviously it's his second stint back at Rovers uh, big game for them this Friday night the Dublin derby away to Bohemians uh, Vermullen got a late goal for Dundalk but like it was done at that stage and they just never looked like they were going to claw their way back in and actually, you spoke to Stephen Kenny after the match and you put it to him first that it just didn't happen for the team on the night ball is threaded down towards the end line Rovers might get in here it's square back they're in on goal oh it's gone in and I think it's Ronan Finn who got it in with the right boot 17 minutes gone Shamrock Rovers won Dundalk nil you know, we shot ourselves in the foot really with the two goals we conceded which are really unacceptable from our point of view like the cornerstone of our success has been based on you know not defending from set players so to concede from a, uh, a throw in and a corner kick is um, just not good enough really and you know we'd be very disappointed with that Pat Lamb's adage is you kind of see it in training the form that you're going to have at the weekend are you seeing it in training or is it kind of you're training well but then you turn up for games and it's just it's a bit hit and miss it's just not quite happening our train was interrupted obviously just because of the game you know yeah. so it's one of those things that was it with the game on Monday so our training was, was yeah. um, but generally this season yeah, I mean, I think we've had a lot of good performances, but certainly away from home, we're not. We're, we're, we've we've struggled. We've won all our home games, bar the sort of Bray game, which is a controversial game. That, but certainly at home we've been very good. But away we've lost four out of six, which is you know not good enough. We you know we've won won five of the home games, but certainly the um, that's not been like us over the last few years because traditionally we. Our away form was even better than home form, you know. We, so that you know, we we we've, we've struggled on the road. And again, I know it's it's an easy question to ask. It's a harder one to answer. Is there something that's kind of happening consistently in those away games that isn't happening in the home yeah, game? Listen, we this is a lot of issues in terms of we've not had the same team to select. We've had a lot of injury problems from the start of the season that we previously always had some issues but we were been able to manage them but we've probably had too many this season to to have any sort of consistency of selection This is News Talks SSE or Tricity League podcast and that was Dundalk manager Stephen Kenny I'm a big fan of Stephen Kenny not just because he's a brilliant manager but whether they win lose or draw he always makes time to talk to you after a game Correct and I suppose that it would have been a very disappointing result for them but when you look at Dundalk's away form this season they've played six only won two lost four that's the exact same as Drahd and Bohemian so you can see that's where their issues are at home they're doing excellently uh, they have five wins and one loss yeah and they've just they've lost an awful lot of quality yeah. they're just plain and simply not as good as they were last year they might get back to that level but it might take a while I wouldn't go writing them off yet no not at all um, as you're aware I have no life and I get very bored so while cruising through Twitter I spotted this message from Alan Keane formerly of uh, Galway Sligo Dundalk and Crusaders it says, football, you've been really good to me. Thanks for the memories and friends. I'll miss you, but it's time for a new challenge. I retire happy. And it's accompanied by a thumbs up and a picture of boots hanging off a net. We've heard this before, Oisin. Yes, this is his second retirement. Yeah, I don't buy it this time. No, no, Alan, we're not buying it. <laughs> I am. I'm 100% this time. Yeah, I know um, I probably sound like a, 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 when I put out that tweet as a broken record, but no, I'm, I'm definitely done this time. I've... I've had me fun and it's time to to finish now. Why now? Because you're still a young man. Um, I've just gone gone down a new career path, you know, and and uh, still a young man, but it's it, it, it's a it's a really young man's game, I think, and um, I think it's it's just time. I've 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 had great great time in football. I've I've I suppose got the opportunity there last year after coming out of retirement to to play in the Europa League and 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 have a look and what is win another league title and. To me, that's that's been, I suppose, uh, not a bad way to end it. You've had a great career playing with Galway United, playing with Sligo, playing with Dundalk, playing with Crusaders, uh, and you've kind of gone through all the various adventures that football can throw at you. Injury, relegation battles, cup final wins, league wins, European adventures. But I want to go back to the start and Stephen Lally at Galway, who first signed you for a League of Ireland team, because he did show a lot of faith, didn't he? He did, yeah, and and I have to be very thankful to him. Um, he was my manager at Murview when I was playing at Murview, and um, I suppose I got a, a nasty enough little injury at Murview, uh, 
and Stephen was my manager at the time and he was very good we'd won a lot of uh, of trophies at Merview and obviously Go United approached him and signed him and um, he asked me would I come would I come on board and I knew I was still a couple of months away from, from getting playing, getting back playing football and he said he didn't worry he'd, he'd give me the best uh, treatment and, and try and get myself right and uh, was it three or four months later um, I got myself back fit and he, he threw me in um, to a game I think it was my first game was against Kilkenny City and uh, I never looked back then you know I don't have a lot to be thankful to God you played against Kilkenny City maybe you're not that young after all <laughs> <laughs> jokes aside Alan what was it like when you, you stepped up to the League of Ireland because you, you're a ball using fullback and a ball using defender you're not just a, a hoof it up the park and that's my job done you were kind of a part of a new generation of defenders in the League of Ireland well, probably I, I probably look. I probably wouldn't say that when I started off first. I would have said I would have said I was a very raw, um, very raw young fella who was just, I suppose, a bit silly at times. I'd I'd be flying into tackles that I probably shouldn't have been, and that's probably why I had so many injuries at the start. You know, um, um, and as I I suppose as I got on in my career, and I probably I'd look just I'd say the Sligo move where Paul Cook probably transform me as as a player I would have probably been one of them players that I would just kick it and tackle and head and you know um, you know be all that 100% into the tackle and everything but I think when I signed for Saigo Paul Cook gave you the belief that you know you're actually uh, you can actually play a ball and you know get it down and that was his philosophy and I think that's probably would have would have been a big change to me now, Alan, I just want to read you a piece. It's, it's from the it's from the Sligo champion in 2009, and I'll just give a bit of backstory after this. A Sligo guard that has been hailed as a hero after she and a colleague tackled an armed gang who held a Goa family hostage. Garda Bernie Mulderick, who was also an All-Ireland winner with the Sligo Ladies GA team, who was based in Own Moor, answered the call after Garda received a report of a suspicious activity at a home in Thurlockmore in Galway. Ironically, Garda Mulderick was also accompanied by Alan Keane, a Galway United defender who is set to sign for Sligo Rovers this week. Now, Oshin, when Alan Keane signed for Sligo Rovers, everyone assumed he was a Garda. Alan, can you finally nip this in the bud? You were never a member of Garda Siakana. No, I was actually never a member of Garda Siakana, and I can remember that article with the picture was on the front page, big picture of me and me going United jersey. And that Alan Keane is actually he's my uh, he lives in Killeran. He actually was the Galway footballer, he's the goalkeeper for the Galway footballers, and I'd actually know him quite well. And it was funny that uh, that happened. Uh, and when I came down, everyone was like, "Oh, how do?" So I kind of played along with it with the boys in the dressing room at the time and I did a little scar in my stomach and I said, Oh, this way your man stabbed me and I was giving the story for ages and I just said I better tell I better tell them the, the crack, you know. Um but to this day I still get it. People still ask me about um about me being in the guards and how do I ju- how did I juggle playing playing football and, and, and uh being in the guards but no I never was. I never was but uh I suppose it's a story I look back on I suppose you can tell people. When you finally moved from Galway to Sligo, did you ever think that, I suppose, when you went to Galway, you went with the injury, you, you said uh, you weren't sure how your career would pan out. When you went to Sligo, there were, I suppose, a good League of Ireland team, but the success that uh, came could never have been imagined when you signed. No, it couldn't. And, uh, like, as you say, when I was back, when I was in Galway, I, I actually broke my leg. Um, it was against uh, Shamrock Rovers in, it was around 2005, 2006. And um, ironically, it was actually Vinnie Perth, the the, the, the Dundalk assistant, that broke it. Um, and I was told I wouldn't play professional football again. You know, so it took me it took me eighteen months to get back from that, and I got back for the last ten games. And then Paul Cook, who I always admired when, when we when we used to see them in the interviews, and he was always that a good character. And I always said I'd love to play for them. And um, I and when I got the opportunity, I was I was delighted. But to, to in 2009, you know, after I signed, I didn't imagine what would, well, I suppose, what would happen. Uh, you know, fast forward seven years later, and to have won every domestic honour was was just was just amazing. You know, and it's the uh, probably the the best time of my career, and and uh, one that I look back on fondly. You know. Alan, it sounds like you've been mostly lucky with managers throughout your career and they do obviously have a massive bearing on any individual's career and life as well. Um, Tony Cousins, I know, was good to you and then Paul Cook came in and, and developed you. You might talk to us about Tony because he was in charge of Galway at a, at a really tough time. Obviously, he left and then Jeff Kenna came in and it was 
that miracle season as we'll call it where he came in and saved them with not many games to do so but talk to us about Tony, Jeff and then Paul and how, how they helped you um, well, well Tony, Tony came in and obviously it was a difficult time and uh, it, it went back to the stage where going United got up, voted up to the Premier Division further off the field um, off the field uh, I suppose uh, stuff they'd done and Dundalk had just lost out on it the famous DVD and, uh, yeah, 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 exactly. And uh, we just, uh, Tony came in and was difficult and he, he kept us up the first season and I suppose expectations in were high the following season. We stayed up that now we can we can push on and, and, and do better and unfortunately we had a bad start to the year. And, but uh, Tony Tony was brilliant, you know, and I, I look back at, and, you know, and be thankful to him that, as I said earlier, I broke my leg against Shamrock Rovers and was, we were going for the first division title and um, it was something like four games to go and, I broke my leg against Shamrock Rovers, and uh, I thought that was it, you know. And my contract was was out after the four games. And Tony came to me, uh, I suppose the week the weekend after I got home from hospital, and he he, he came he called came all the way from Dublin out to my home house in Abingdon, and um, he came in and he he brought a contract with him and and said, "Listen, I'm, I want to offer you a new contract because I think that will be a massive help to you to to get back and you know and have to worry about being." Having no contract, and I, I have ever been grateful to him, you know, because it allowed me to, I suppose, get back and get the medical medical attention that I needed, and and I suppose the the physio side of stuff to help me get back. And it was disappointing then when I was very disappointed when he did get sacked, you know. And the board, I thought the board, you know, could have given him more time, but I suppose they looked at it in in long term. And then Jeff Kinnock came in, and he was just he was just go- he was superb as well, you know, and. We thought we were probably on the road to relegation. There was three going down that year, and uh, we were rock bottom at the tables, like eleven points to twelve points adrift. And uh, he just came in, and I suppose he brought a different dimension to the to the I suppose the training and stuff, and it it, it transformed us into a, a one of the teams we had the best I think best record towards the end of the season that season, and luckily we stayed up at the, the end of the year. Um, against UCD and as I said then Paul Cook um, asked me to sign for Sligo and from then on then you know it went from I suppose it went from good to, to better and and it was it, Paul Cook's then brought it to a new level you know and he's, he's passion for the game and he's uh, the way he wants to play and it's ironic lately there he's just last weekend he's just gone and won the title with Portsmouth and absolutely thrilled for him yeah, and it was a real sliding doors moment, wasn't it, when Paul Cook signed you? Because it could have gone yeah. completely differently. You could have ended up in Australia. Yeah, I was actually in Australia, and uh, I was looking at it signing for a team in Melbourne, and uh, had met them, and I watched a couple of games, and I was like, "Jesus, this is very slow. It's different to over there." But the whole lifestyle and everything was great, and it was luckily I got, I got a call off Paul Cook, and he was actually with the Mary McGowan, who was secretary at the time, and. and Michael Toulon, who was chairman, he said, "You're on loudspeaker," and you know, we got speaking over the phone, and it was it was weird because it was the different time zones, and so the I was not I, that I'm, far from Galway. Oh, sorry, you were still in Australia. I'm still in Australia, yeah. So uh, it was funny, and um, then I rang home to my mum, and I just said, "Listen, Sligo," and she, you know, you know, mothers all oh, get home quick, yeah. you know. So she was happy, but in the, in that time, Paul Cook then had left Sligo for two weeks. But he was still in contact with me. He said, I've, I've gone, but I'm not fully gone yet. It was that period. And uh, I was like, oh, what will I do now? But thankfully, he came back. Um, and uh, we got stuff sorted. I flew home then. It was in February. And, and the rest is history, I suppose. Yeah, and you had some great memories with that Sligo team. And I guess they were a good footballing team as well, Sligo under Paul and Ian Barraclough as Ian well. Ian Barraclough, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, but two thousand and nine wasn't all plain sailing. We 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 actually was kind of in a bit of a relegation battle in two thousand nine, and got to the cup final and lost the cup final to Sporting Fingal. So it was a bit of a. I would say two thousand nine wasn't the best of seasons, but um, it actually kind of the platform for us. We, we you know I, I remember halfway through two thousand and nine season, um, Paul Cook was was willing to walk. You know he was he was on the verge, I suppose, getting sacked nearly because we had such a bad run and. I remember we played Derry City on a Tuesday night and we got beaten 4-0 by them. And we also had them on Saturday, on the Saturday in the Cup and we actually went and beat them 1-0 in the Cup and that kind of steadied the ship a little bit that year and 
Um, you know, after that, then 2010, Paul Paul signed some quality players, and and uh, it just the, some of the lads that have played on there is, you know, exceptional. You know, exceptional talented lads, and and um, some of them have gone on to, to bigger and better things. And, and um, obviously, you know, we had we had Joey and Joe when he when he signed signed Joey. You know, playing from being a young lad playing against them. He used to always say, "I'd love to play from," and never thought I'd get the opportunity. And then, then he kind of come came in and gave everyone a lift, and um, made us all believe that we could we could achieve that. Uh, what a talented bunch we were, you know. What's your best memory at the showgrounds? Obviously, we have the three FAI Cups, we have the League Cup, the Satanta Cup, and of course the League. So there are there are plenty of times there uh, where you had success. But if I say to you, is there one moment in in particular that stands out? What would it be? Um, the one moment in particular, I suppose. Um, I suppose the first cup that we won, the league, the the, the league league cup. Um, you know, we beat Monaghan one nil. I think that was just that's just the catalyst. I, yeah, because it just it gave us that feeling that, and everyone that day was like it was my first senior trophy, and um, it was the first for many lads, and we just it, it, we just knew then it was that that feeling that we. We're a good side, and you know we can go on and do better things. I probably that that would be a par- along with I suppose the uh, uh, the European game against Bangor when I scored at home. That them two would probably stand out most for me. You know, I'm just listening to some of your answers here. You talk about Kilkenny, Sporting Fingal, and Monaghan United. You've seen <laughs> an awful lot of teams, Alan. Um, I, I want to talk to you about your initial retirement and then your comeback and retirement again. I mean, you, when you came back and played for Dundalk, you looked like you'd never been away. So, do you kind of think to yourself, "God, I, I wish I hadn't retired that time," or, or do you think to yourself, "Actually, the break meant I was able to play the kind of quality stuff I did when I went back with Dundalk." Um, I don't know. Like, I, 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 I always I, towards the end of the 2015 season, and we just staying off. I just felt that I'd fallen out of love with the with the game. You know, I just. I just felt like Sligo were going in a different way, you know. That I, I felt it was time to step aside. I didn't want to be one of them lads that, you know, you're you're sitting on the bench or you're going through a mid mid table team. And like I'm, I I always want to win stuff. I always want to be. I'm that kind of. I'm driven like that. And I just felt maybe it was the best time. And I didn't want to be remembered in the time at Sligo. You know, they're going through the motions or you know, and that like and. I, it was tough. It was a tough decision in in uh, in January, and but one that I felt that was right. I just said, listen, I I did have enough. I didn't feel like that I could go back into preseason and and go in another season and give it me all and 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 that I and I said I didn't want to do that. I thought I genuinely thought like that I wouldn't. That would be it. I wouldn't be playing with any other club. And I suppose people asked me going to the games that I did. I miss them and, and stuff. And I went to a lot of the the Rovers games and and um, they just. I didn't miss it, you know. Albeit, I did miss it when they were playing Shams' first game in the season. There was a bit of, you know, that first game. I said, geez, I'd love to be out there now. But um, after that then, I didn't. And I went playing GA down here. And it was kind of, you know, it was a relief, really. You know, you're out of the kind of the limelight and you're just you're playing Gaelic. I suppose I played it all the way when I was up when I was younger. And I started to kind of enjoy my, myself again, you know. And um, then... I, I was keeping myself fit, and I, I remember meeting Stephen Kinney one one day at the showgrounds, and he just says, uh, "He said, how are you how are you keeping? You miss the football?" I said, "Not really." He says, "Well, keep yourself fit." He says, "You never know what what could, could be around the corner," and that was that was around May of May of the year that I retired, and I didn't think anything of it, you know. And I suppose when they get the when I got the call off Stephen, it was actually Sunday morning. I got a call off Stephen, and I, I didn't know. I said, "What's he ringing me for?" You know, and then they'd just beaten, you know, uh, Batty, and they were going on to Legia Warsaw. So I was like, "Wow!" When he when he offered me to come up and uh, and see what I, I'd like and whether I, whether I'd like it up there, and um, I'm absolutely, you know, delighted. Then um, I kind of got that little bit of my mojo and my buzz back, which 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 was good, and 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 it turned out to be uh, a good decision. I remember when you signed for Dundalk, the, it was, I suppose the League of Ireland at the best times can be a very small circle and uh, a lot of rumours get out and I suppose news is, news is very hard 
uh, to be kept quiet. But when you signed, the first a lot of people knew about it was you're playing in a friendly who I can't remember who it was offhand and uh, 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 yeah. Gavin McLaughlin. Yeah, Everton in that friendly in Oriel. I remember Gavin McLaughlin from uh, Dundalk Sport was tweeting that you were there as a trialist and everyone was like, is this the Alan Keane from Sligo Rovers? Is it another Alan Keane? So uh, that move in general seemed to have been kept very quiet. Yeah, it was. And it, but, it, but it happened kind of quick as well. As I said, the Sunday, Stephen rang me and he asked me would I come up on the Monday but they're playing Everton. He says just to see how you feel like and uh, see what your fitness is like. But I think they put me down as a different name and um, on the sheet. But Jesus, with a bald head like this, I'm sure people, I couldn't really disguise myself unless I put a wig on. You just you know? know the look of a guard, don't you? They're easy to spot. <laughs> um, Alan, uh, do you think that's the genius of Stephen Kenny that even though you didn't realise it yourself he actually spotted that you weren't done he could sense there was a hunger he could see you were keeping fit um, I'd say so yeah you know and, and you know Stephen has been Stephen is a top class manager his man management skills are, are second to none you know and um, I suppose when I went up there and I met him um, you know he, he, he he's clever in what he told you know even the media afterwards he, I had spoke to him in the office afterwards and he said listen he's looking to sign me and and I suppose, you know, if he hadn't spoken to me, the media afterwards, he told him, no, he's not looking to find anyone. So that kind of kept a little bit of pressure away and, and stuff like that without without Anton. So we're, we're still in contact for a while. And obviously I had I given me tax back. You know, you're allowed to you claim um, your tax back once you've finished playing professional football. Um, so I had got all that back. So I had to give it back again to the tax. And uh, it was kind of a, that was kind of the little hold up that we had. And... Um, you know, Stephen Kinney was was great throughout throughout it, and he was he was constantly on the phone to me at the start. So I knew then. I said, like, you know, you feel when a manager really wants you, um, it's 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 half the half the it makes it ha- ha- easier to sign, you know. Yeah. And um, you know, from from then on, he's he, he's been he was excellent to me since I signed, and I knew going in, I was kind of going to be uh, just a a bit power player and filling gaps and stuff, and which I didn't mind because I understood that they were flying at the time. And, as it turned out, then I got a bit of luck, I suppose. Well, um, due to I suppose Sean Gannon getting injured, and I got my break. And it, it was funny that I ended up playing the last five, six games of the season with Dundalk to win the league title. And I, four years earlier, I'd missed it with Sligo, uh, Sligo Rovers. You know, I, I missed it through injury, and I broke my foot. So I, little did I know, four years later, I'd be going for another league title with with uh, Dundalk, and end up playing the last five, six games. Dundalk, obviously aren't flying as high this season so far as they were last season but I guess one can explain that given that the, the lack or the loss of the quality that they've had to endure I mean Daryl Horgan we're seeing exactly how good he is now with his performances with Preston uh, Andy Boyle the same Ronan Finn another massive loss so you can probably having spent time with that group understand why it's it's not clicking into gear yet and other guys have to step up yeah, of course, and um, you know there there are three quality, three main main players for them, you know, and and um, it was a big blow, and it's a big blow to to Stephen Kinney as well, and and obviously to the team, you know, the, to lose three top player top players, they did sign quality, and it'll take time, but it, it was a long enduring season, you know, last year, and I know a couple of lads were were well, playing through injuries and stuff like that, and it didn't finish up till December the eighth, so. Some of the injuries that they had, I don't think, would have been fully healed by the time they they came back in January. And it, it is tough, tough going. And you know, you look at all the lads that have that have left, and and um, the lads that have come in. It'll take time for them to to bed in. And and Stephen is is a is a good manager, and I know he'll he'll, he'll keep them. He'll, he'll be disappointed, obviously, because he's a, he's a winner as well. And and the lads, I know the lads will be hurting, but um, they'll come back, and I, I'm no doubting that they'll put a. A big run of uh, of uh, of um, games together, and uh, I know it's it's Corks there to lose now. They're fifteen fifteen points, but who knows? You know, if Cork have a hit a little blip and Dundalk get a bit of form, and then it gets a bit bit edgy, you know. So, um, but it's 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 uh, it's it's I suppose it is a difficult time for them now, uh, considering the season they've had for the last three seasons. Um, but the quality players that they have there, and I've no doubt that they'll. They'll, they'll bounce back and I think they'll bounce back soon enough When you get that taste of silverware for the second time and the season at Dundalk ended last year with the league title you made the decision to move north to Crusaders what was it about Crusaders that appealed to you or even the or even the Irish League in general? 
Um, well, Dundalk wanted to uh, Dundalk wanted to sign me back, and um, I obviously I wanted to just I wanted to retire, and I found it hard to retire because no, they weren't letting me, you know. Um, but I I spoke to Stephen Kenny several times over the over the, the Christmas period, and um, he, he's looking to sign me back and stuff. And then a call came through from Crusaders that they were they were top of the table. Uh, I was only till April and. That suited me more so than than I suppose Dundalk. Dundalk, I, I'd I'd have to sign till uh, whenever November, October, November, and I just didn't want that. You know, I I was kind of I wanted to retire, but then I suppose Crusaders came in, and I was kind of filling gaps because um, I had something kind of lined up in the next month or so. So that that kind of just filled gaps for me, and and obviously there was a chance of winning another league title, and uh, I just. I just said, listen, there's my goal for it, you know, and I only had to travel for games and keep myself fit down here. So it suited me more so than having to move myself and my family up to Dundalk for the for the year. What about the Northern League? I, I saw people saying today that, you know, with the Northern League ending, maybe League of Ireland clubs should look there for some talent if they need to fill in gaps in their squad. Do you think that would be a possibility? Would there be players up there who could do that? Is there much of a gap in standards? Uh, well, at Crusaders, we had some some quality quality players, really exceptionally very good players. But the problem is, they're part time up there, um, and the lads work. So they train Tuesday and Thursday, play on Saturday, yeah. and that's all they do a week. So for them to to come down here and play, it it take a lot lot of um, you know a lot of money for them to come down because they're working, they have a job, they only train Tuesdays, they train Thursdays game on Saturday and they have the weekend off basically after that you know so um, they, they, they don't, no doubt about it there's a couple of lads definitely up there that that would, would uh, be uh, do do really well in the league down here but um, what I found different to the league is it's a very physical league up there it's uh, it's uh, not so much technical down here it's a lot more technical and uh, and and stuff like that, but up there it's it's a physical league. The the rest seem to let a lot go, and um, yeah, definitely there's a, definitely a couple of players that would. But as I said, yeah, uh, they're in that mode of part time mode up there, and I'm not so sure would they cut it down here in a full time setup. Yeah, uh, speaking to Jared Little a few weeks ago when he was named Slug, uh, Slugger Rovers manager, that seemed to be one of his biggest uh, worries about coming into the league, about how how he'll be able to cope from going from part-time to full-time. So y- you think in general, even with the players, that would be a big issue? Oh, 100%. Because I spoke to I spoke to one or two players, I just actually said, I said, would you ever go down and play with Sligo or someone like that, you know? And uh, they were like, well, why, why would I? Like, you know, he says, why would I? Because I'm. I have a job. Um, I just train and I come out with a with a good wage at the end of the week. Yeah. I would have to give up everything. I'd have to give up my job, give up, and then I have to train every day of the week. So, yeah, you either want. You know, it's down to the person, the individual, I suppose, themselves. If they have the desire to play full time football or yeah. the desire to to better themselves, well, then you do it, regardless of what it is. And there is but, a cu- yeah, and there is a cult following for the teams up there. I watched the Irish yeah. Cup final the other day, and Linfield took on. Um, Rain and it was it was a massive occasion. Jimmy Nesbitt was even there. Um, just, yeah. Just before we let you go, Alan, um, you're talking about a new adventure. Can you tell us a, a bit about that? Um, well, I'm hope uh, close to probably joining the fire service here in Sligo, so um, I'll hope to hope to to join that. And um, obviously, I'm doing my doing my badges. I'm I'm I've my B completed, so I'm going on to do my A badge now. Um, I'm doing a, a bit of coaching here with the with our under thirteen. Uh, emerging talent team here in Sligo, yeah. and we actually played there at the weekend, and we we beat Cork in the semi final wow. of the the national semi final. So we're, we're playing the DDSL now in two weeks in in the on the thirteen national final. So um, for me, it's a you know I'm enjoying that side of it as well, and and um, I'll see what's what happens with the fire service. So fingers crossed, all going well. That's be a little change of career, I suppose. Yeah, and we wish you well. Talk to me about Sligo. I mean, you're you're from Galway, but you've now settled in Sligo, so you know it's Sligo treats football the same way most other towns and counties kind of treat GA. And I know you know that balance because you played county minor and you played club and you played club in, in Sligo as well. But 
football just there seems to be something a bit different about football in Sligo than there is in a lot of other counties and towns around Ireland. Yeah, it's just a, it's it's a it's a mad soccer town. It's it's uh, it sucks you in when you get here. And I, I when I came here in two thousand and nine, um, it just sucked me right in. It goes from from kids to to to, gra- to grandmothers coming up to you in shops, and you walk around the town and people stopping you and having a chat about the game. And it's it just yeah. it's it feels really good. Like it, it it it's a it's a proper community, and it, you know you. Some players buy into it, others don't, and and you know you'll see players come and go, and they mightn't be, you know, they mightn't like the culture on here, but a lot of lads and uh, oh, oh, a lot of lads from the team that that I played with would have come, and I know for a fact that say Sligo is one of the best places they've been. Um, from you know it's such a community club, uh, everyone feels everyone feels I suppose uh, connected, you know, from the fans to the to the players and. You know, you go into town, and as I said, that you have you go in shopping, and there's 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 old ladies coming up, and they're at the game, and they're talking about the the game yeah. that they're at, and then you go out of, out of the shop, and you meet a little kid who wants your autograph and stuff like that. It's, I suppose it, it's just that it makes you feel like a professional footballer, and it, it makes you they accepted you into the into your into the town, and 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 um, I've made I've made a lot of good friends here now, and I've settled here, and I'll probably probably will settle here now for the for the rest of my life you know and I have a kid and a partner so um, she's from Sligo so um, that'll be that'll, that'll be me now I'd say I'll be here for the for the foreseeable future Alan really appreciate your time it's been great talking to you and the very best of luck with the next adventure lovely no problem thanks a million and thanks for having me he'll be back I'll give it three or four weeks and he'll be in a League of Ireland gr- uh, League of Ireland ground near you soon Alan Keane, formerly of Sligo Rovers, formerly of Galway United before that, formerly of Dundalk and formerly of Crusaders, speaking to us here on News Talks SSE, Electricity League podcast. Crusaders are very unlucky not to win the Irish League. Well, I say unlucky, but that's actually the wrong terminology. Terminology. They made an absolute yeah. bags of it. They came second in a two-horse race to Linfield. Uh, Linfield, in the end, who's managed by David Healy, won the league by two points. But Crusaders were tough for most of the season. I think with three games left, yeah. they lost a the game they should have won and Linfield took advantage. Well, they're into Europe at least, which yes. is something. Uh, there are playoffs for the Europa League in the Irish I League. So in other words, it, no, it's a terrible idea. Why idea. should you reward a team that finishes fourth over a team that finishes third. No, a second and third, second get in, and then third, fourth, fifth, and sixth playoff. Uh, that's ridiculous. Like a, a team that finishes sixth in the Irish league or any other league for that matter has no business in the Europa League. So, what's your thoughts then on the football league playoffs? Utterly ridiculous. They're entertaining, but they're ridiculous. Okay. Well, maybe this is entertaining and it adds to the Irish league for another two or three weeks, and it gives something for teams in mid-table to play for. If it, like, if you're in mid-table, there's a reason why you're there. You're not good enough. You should not be going to Europe. But it is ridiculous. Europe I pray that the FAI never try anything as stupid. Personally, I would be a big fan of the idea. Yeah, well, of course you would, because Sligo are most likely to finish mid-table. But they don't like. Sorry, not Sligo specifically. Any team that finishes, look at like look at the table here, right? Yes. Any team that this finishes is, this is doing outside great in the of the yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Any team that finishes below the top four, unless they win a cup, yes. unless they win the cup, obviously the league cup doesn't get you into Europe. If they win the cup, fair enough, they yeah. deserve their place because they've won a competition. But what's the difference between you finishing in tenth or eleventh and winning the cup? And because you've won a competition you've but won this something this is also a competition no, it's not it's all a made up idiotic patronising thing to keep a, a pretty boring league exciting until the end although to be fair this year the Irish league actually was exciting because Crusaders got pegged back by Linfield and, and Linfield went on to win it under it David was, Healy it, it, was, it was a two horse race though yeah, but at least it was a race. Will I go through the fixtures for the weekend? Yes, please do. All right. Uh, five, Starting with the Premier Division. Yes, five games on Friday night. Bottom of the table, St. Patrick's Athletic. It's not often you get to say that. Are at home to Drogheda United. Galway take on Cork. Cork are 14 points clear of Bray. Bray are closer to the relegation zone than they are to Cork and Bray are in second. That's how dominant Cork have been. That game is also 7.45. Dundalk take on Sligo Rovers and Bowes take on Shamrock Rovers in the Dublin Derby. Those 7.45 in Harps are at home to Bray at 8 o'clock and one game on Saturday. It is Limerick against angry Kenny Shields' Derry City and that's in Marketsfield at 6.30. Clever Kenny Shields, I would say. In the first division on Friday night, Cove Ramblers taking on Cabin Teeley at 7.45. At the same time, Shelburne up against Athlone and at 8 o'clock, Wexford take on Waterford. On Saturday night, Longford up against UCD. 
Waterford top of the first division they're on 22 points UCD second on 21 Cove third on 20 Cabin Teeley fourth on 14 in the um, Continental Tires Women's League yeah, you've got the fixtures there which I you do. can hand to me uh, Cork City <laughs> take on Wexford this on Saturday afternoon at 5 o'clock at 7 o'clock on Saturday Shelburne up against Galway and then at 8 o'clock on Saturday night it's P-Mount taking on UCD Waves Kilkenny United off this week as there's only 7 teams in that uh, particular competition Shelburne leading the way on 32 points they're 8 points clear of UCD Waves uh, P-Mount are 3rd on 23 Wexford 4th on 22 Galway 5th on 11 Cork City 6th on 9 and Kilkenny City bottom of the pile on zip zero. Let's hope with the weekend that's in it that UCD will win their game away to P-Mount in honour of Katrina and the Waves because it's Eurovision weekend and Katrina and the Waves won Eurovision for Great Britain even though she's Canadian correct okay that's it for, from us for this week you can get him on uh, at Mr Daniel and you can get me on at Oshin Lang and we'll talk to you soon good luck bye just stay around for the voting it's the most exciting part Off the ball on News Talk. Thanks to Air. Catch all the sports you love free on the Air Sport Pack with Air Broadband.